Glad you guys are here. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at Stonebridge. I have a couple of announcements, and then we'll jump in. Thank you all for participating in that extended time of worship. Hope you encountered the Lord in that. If uh, There are baskets on the inside aisles, I think. There are baskets under a chair somewhere. If you grab them and just kind of pass them around, if you're a guest, we'd love you to pull out one of those little cards and fill it out. It lets us know that you're here. I'll send you an email this week, and if that's all you want, that's all you'll get. Uh, if you want more uh, interaction, then we can for sure do that. It's a great, it's an easy way for us to make a connection. We've got a welcome center in, up on the right as you leave. We'd love for you to stop in. I'll be in there, and you can tell me hello and hand me that card. I would love the chance to at least put a name to a face. Uh, also, I mentioned last week, starting on September 7th, we're going to add a service at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. Uh, obviously, y'all are all welcome to come 5 to 7 on Sundays. It'll feel different than what we do here on Sunday morning just because we'll have fewer people. We've been eating together. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue that. It's a little more um, interactive uh, maybe is a good way of saying it. One of the values on Sunday night is that everyone participates, and we want to try to continue. That doesn't mean everybody has to do a sermon or anything, but we want to hear kind of what's going on in your heart, give you a chance to share. Uh, we spend a little more time kind of functioning as 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 the body uh, than maybe we are able to do on Sunday morning. If that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, we'd love you to check us out sometime in September or October, and then moving forward, we'll really look to solidify that service. And some people have asked, Penny will be doing children's ministry during that time as well. Again, it'll look a little bit different than Sunday morning because there'll be fewer kids, but Penny will be leading that, and your kids will have an opportunity to uh, connect with her. So uh, we've been walking through the life of Jacob. We're going to not do that today. I'm going to pause. This is our small group Sunday. You're all sitting on a small group brochure. We do this once a year. Uh, and I just want to give you a little background on really what that is. For some of you, you'll never, this is it for you. You're a guest and you may think this is not, I don't, where's the, where's the handhold for me? You may, this may not be your home church. You may not be ready to join a group, but I want to, small groups for me are the means to an end. And I want to speak about the end. And that thing is, this is true, whether this is your church or not, whether you join a small group or not. I picked up our kindergartner from school the other day, and he got in the car, and I said, how was your day? And he said, great. And then he was kind of quiet, and I said, well, tell, what else? Tell me what happened. And he said, well, I got on yellow, so traffic light. He got on yellow. Green's where you want to be. Yellow's danger zone. And I said, what'd you do? And he said, I fought. This is killing me. Can I? Is this me doing this? Popping? Yeah. Um, sorry about that. So I said, tell me, uh, you, you fought when? Lunch. How did you fight at lunch? You're eating. We both finished. I said, uh, so what did you do? I said, did you start it? And of course he said no. He probably did. He said, no, I didn't start it. Tell me what happened. This kid sat down next to me. We finished and he pushed me. And then I said, well, what did you do? I, he said, I pushed him back. And I said, well, next time he pushes you, what could you do differently? And he said, I could give him a headbutt. And I said, you absolutely, you could. (laughs) 
So I'm going to be leading a small group on parenting for anyone who's interested in that. He didn't understand what I was asking, I hope. He didn't understand what I was asking of him. And so as we talk about small groups, I want you to hear what I'm asking. Small groups are inconvenient. Small group, at some point in your group, you're not going to like the people who are in your group. They're a commitment. There's all kinds of things about them that honestly can be difficult. But I want you to hear what I'm asking. Our, our vision as a church, the reason we are here is because we want to see our community transformed by God. We're not interested in being big and we're honestly not even interested in being good. What we want to see happen is we want God to use us to change our community so it looks more like the community that he has in mind. When he pictures Marietta, when he pictures Cobb County, that's what we want to see. And we want to be tools that he can use, instruments in his hands to make that happen. There's a couple of components of that. One is is a personal or an individual piece. We want to see Men and women, boys and girls, saying yes to Jesus. John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus has come so that we would have life and have it fully. And we want to see as many people as will say yes to that. There are hundreds of thousands of people in Cobb County who don't know the reality of living in the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. Their lives right now are a shadow of what they could be. It's black and white versus color TV. And we want to do whatever we can to see them rescued from the kingdom of darkness, established in the kingdom of light, and not just say yes to him initially, but live a life of fullness. That's what Bo was talking about. Live this full life that God has for them. I think Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you, I knew you. And we want people to know the reality that before they were even stitched together in their mother's womb. God knew them, and he had plans and purposes for them, and they are excellent. We want to help people engage in that. That's part of what it means to see our community transformed. I don't live under any illusions that every person in Marietta or Cobb County is going to say yes to Jesus. But I want everybody to have a chance to say yes to him. The second element of community transformation, it's, it's more corporate. It's structural. We talk about these walls of influence In our city, some people call them centers of influence or they're these institutions, if I can say that, that have an impact on everyone who lives within the community. If you live in Smyrna, the government of Smyrna has some level of influence over you. It impacts you. It affects the decisions that you make. The school system of Smyrna does. The businesses in Smyrna do. On some level, these institutions that are listed there, those seven things have some impact on the way you live your life. And what we want to see is all seven of those things used for the glory of God. We want God's grace to flow through those seven channels of influence to bless people who are never going to set foot in a church. It's Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Seek the welfare of the city. If it prospers, so will you. We want our city to prosper so the people who live in it will be better off. That's what it means to be blessed. We want them to be better off than they would be otherwise. And we all have a role in that. Isaiah 58, 12 talks about being people who repair broken walls. And that's what we want to be. God has called each of us to one of those areas of influence. And we want to do our part to see that thing become a channel of his grace. Again, it's not this idea of Christianizing all of those things. At all. It's just saying, let's let these things be a, a, a tool in God's hands that's a blessing to people versus a tool in the enemy's hands that hurts people. That's what we're going for there. 
And so to see our community transform, those are the two things that we want to see. We want to see people saying yes to Jesus and living full lives in him. And we want to see these areas of influence, these walls of influence, repaired and restored so that they're a channel of common grace for people who live in our community. And as I say that, hopefully that excites you on some level. Most likely, if you're getting it, it overwhelms you as well. And you're going, I don't have time. To, I don't know where to start. I'm not qualified. What, I have no, what are you talking about? It's very difficult to find a handhold when it comes to this idea of community transformation. What do you do? There's, I saw in the paper there's 700, I think, and 17,000 people in Cobb County. What, how, do you, how do you even get started? with impacting that number of people. Our community is huge. Where, where are the inroads for us? And I think it all gets down to, it's, it's personal for us. There's this picture in Isaiah 61. Let me read this to you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's what we want. I want each one of you to live your life as an oak of righteousness. If this is your church, that's the direction that I'm going to push you in. I want you to have deep roots in Jesus. I want you to know who you are. I want you to live out of your identity as a son or daughter of God. Before you're anything else, you're a child of God who's been adopted into his family. And I want you to live. Nothing will change your life more than getting that and living out of the truth of that identity, that you're a son or a daughter, someone who he's picked to say, you're going to be in my family. You're going to be my child, and I'm going to be your father. I want those roots in you to go deep. So that whether circumstances are good or bad, it doesn't matter. That you're not swayed, you're not pushed around, you're not moved off course because of circumstances. Again, whether it's blessing or not, whether it's prosperity or lack, whatever it looks like, health or sickness, I want your roots to be so deep in Jesus and who you are in him that nothing can sway you. And I want you to have broad branches into our community. I want you to have influence in the place where God has planted you. Influence is your capacity to affect somebody else's decisions and somebody else's behavior. And you have that. Christian or not, you have that. As a Christian, you have the opportunity to influence people towards Jesus. That's what it means to be salt and light. He's not looking for people who are incredibly qualified. He's not looking for people who are incredibly powerful or incredibly popular or incredibly eloquent or incredibly well-connected. He's looking for people who are incredibly available, and he'll do all of those other things. He will use you to influence others if you'll let him. That's what it means to be an oak of righteousness, and that's my desire for you. If you stay here, what does that look like concretely? We talk about these four anchors all the time. Everything that we do revolves around, hopefully, you growing in these four areas, becoming more like Jesus, being conformed into his image, discovering and doing your deal. What's your calling? What has God put you on the earth to do? Finding your Marietta. Where does God, where has he planted you? For us, it's right here on the square. It's going to be different for you. Do you know this is my dirt? 
this is the inheritance God has given me. This is, these are my people, and this is the area that I need to be exercising influence in and learning to be led by the Spirit in all things. We don't get turn-by-turn GPS directions. We get a compass. Go, in that, go that way. We've got to learn how to follow the voice of God. We want to see you growing in each of those areas. And as more and more of us grow in those areas, that's more and more trees being planted. Then our community is transformed. That's how it's going to happen. There's no lightning coming from heaven. That's not how it's going to work. God is going to work through us. And as more of us say, you know what? I'm committed to this. I'm committed to becoming more like Jesus. I'm committed to figuring out what he put me on the earth to do and then doing that. I'm committed to finding my place in this community. I'm committed to being led by the Spirit in everything that I do, trivial or not. As more and more of us do that, we'll begin to see our community transformed. These trees, we'll see them. I think about these trees that they planted on the square over the last year and a half. I'm hopeful that that's a picture of what God wants to do in our city. That he wants to plant trees like that. And those trees are us. So what does that have to do with small groups? To me, and I think this is biblically true, the best environment for growth is a relational environment. The gospel travels best along relational lines, and discipleship happens best within the context of life-giving relationships. Life-giving relationships are transparent. That means you can see into me. They're vulnerable. That means you can speak into me. And they're intentional. That means when we get together, there's purpose. We talk about something other than the football game. doesn't mean they're heavy. It doesn't mean there's not, they're not fun. It just means that there's a purpose here beyond talking about the weather. You go to the doctor and you say, here's what's wrong with me. That's being transparent. And then what you say is, what should I do about it? That's being vulnerable. If all you do is say what's wrong with you and then you leave, it does you no good. At some point, you've got to let the guy tell you what his opinion is. That's, that's a transparent, vulnerable relationship. Cultivating those, those are life-giving relationships. I believe that's the best environment for growth. Genesis 2.18, God had created Adam. Everything's good. The universe is good. The earth is good. The water's good. The land's good. The plants are good. The animal's good. Adam's good. And God says, but this isn't good. That he's by himself. And so he creates Eve. It's not an issue of being married or single. It's an issue of being in relationship or being isolated. Adam lived in perfection. Sin had not yet entered the world. There's no frustration. There's no confusion. There's no evil. There's no wickedness. There's no pain. He lives in a perfect relationship with God and his environment. And God can say, it's no good because he's by himself. You, you and I were both created for relationship. Again, don't hear me saying you were created to, for marriage. I'm talking about relationship. Some people who are married are the most isolated people I know. There's an intentional, purposeful element that says, I'm going to connect with you in transparency and vulnerability. I'm going to let you know what's going on with me. I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to trust you enough to speak into my life. We were created for that. We were saved into a family. You personally say yes to Jesus, and that's the last individual thing you get to do because you're saved into a body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says we're the body of Christ, and each of us is a member. How about this, Romans 12? You're the body of Christ, and each of, and each of you belongs to all the others. I don't like that. 
I want to belong to me. I don't want to belong to you. You're wonderful, but I don't want to belong to you. But God says, I do. I've been saved into a body, and so I belong to you, and you belong to me. You can't do Christianity on your own. I would even go this far and say you can't fully follow Jesus by yourself. There's at least 54 passages in the New Testament that say do this to one another. If there's no one else, you can't obey them. Love one another, serve one another, teach one another, encourage one another, build one another up, pray for one another, admonish one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. You can't do any of that if there's no other. You can't fully embrace New Testament Christianity on your own. You've got to have these life-giving relationships or you're not going to make it. You will not grow spiritually if you're not actively pursuing life-giving relationships. Now, hear me say this. You don't have to be in a small group to pursue life-giving relationships. It just makes it easier. The goal is life-giving relationships. Remember, small groups are the means to an end. If somebody comes up with a better method, we'll kick small groups to the curb and we'll do something else. But right now, we don't have a better one. And so I'm not saying that you have to be in a small group. I'm not saying you have to be in a Stonebridge small group. I'm saying if you want to grow, you've got to be in life-giving relationships or it's not going to happen. And I think there's two options that we offer here. One are called life transformation groups. These are groups of two or three people, same gender. You meet for an hour a week. You walk through some accountability questions. You pray for people who you love who don't know Jesus. And you commit to reading a large portion of the Bible together and discussing it. I've been in one for ten years. They're good. It's a great thing. If, if they're lightweight. If you're thinking, I can't, I'm, I'm gone at night. There's no way I can commit to two hours every week or every other week. That's impossible for me. I get that I need to be in life-giving relationships. I don't see how to make that work. A life transformation group may be the best thing for you. Connect with one or two other people, same gender. We can get you the information it takes about 45 seconds to figure out how to lead. Seriously, it takes that long to figure out how to lead one. And then once you're in it, you just commit to meeting together. And you're only, you're only coordinating two or three schedules. It's much easier to pull off. If you're meeting more than an hour, then you're probably talking too much. So you can make it happen pretty quick. It's a great environment for growth. If that's what fits your schedule. Best case is you'd be... In a small group. Small group's a great place to get to know other people. It's a great place to be taken care of. That's something that's difficult in a life transformation group because you've only got one or two other people. At some point over the course of this next year, some of you are going to you're going to start dating and you're going to get engaged and you're going to move towards marriage. And some of you are going to start dating and you're going to break up. And some of you are going to get pregnant. and You're going to have a baby. And some of you are going to get pregnant. and You're going to lose a baby. Some of you, your parents are going to get sick and they're going to get better. And your parents are going to get sick and they're not going to get better. Some of you are going to get a promotion, and some of you are going to get let go. Life happens. And if we're not embedded in a family, then we've got to experience that on our own, and that's not how you were designed to experience life. You're supposed to be, you are, it's not that you're supposed to be, you are a part of a body. And if you're disconnected from that, what you've done is cut yourself off from all of these different channels of grace. If you belong to me and I belong to you, there's something that I can give to you and there's something that you can give to me. And if we're not in relationship, then we've cut off God's ability to do that. If we're not in relationship, then whatever you've got good that I need, I don't get because I'm not connecting with you purposefully in a life-giving relationship. Small group's the best environment for you to grow. You come on Sundays and it's wonderful, I hope, for you. I don't, wherever I am on the scale, 
I'm not the greatest teacher. I'm probably not the greatest teacher on the square, much less beyond that. But whatever you get out of Sunday, as good as it or useful as it may be, it's not enough. Jesus says in Matthew 7, wise man builds his house on the rock. What is that? Listen to my words and then you do them. The foolish man just listens. It's not enough for us to know. The issue for most of us when it comes to growth, it's not that we don't know enough. It's that we don't do enough with what we know. We need somebody who's helping us walk this stuff out. Someone who will hold us accountable and say, you told me that God spoke this to you. And you haven't done a thing about it over the past two weeks. But come, let me help you with that. Let me figure, let's figure out what it looks like for you to live out this truth. Those are the kinds of relationships that you need if you want to grow. Small group can provide that. Now, I will say this, and don't shoot me. Bible studies can be wonderful if and only if they help you do the things that you're learning. Otherwise, all you're doing is getting a nice notebook to put on your shelf. Again, for most of us, the issue is not that we don't know enough about the Bible or that we don't know enough about God. The issue for most of us is we're not doing anything with what we already know. We said there's really only six words you need. Love God, love people, and make disciples. You already know that. The issue for most of us is what does it look like to actually do that? I'm not downing Bible studies other than saying don't. we can fool ourselves into thinking that knowing more and learning more is equivalent to growth. Information doesn't disciple people. People disciple people. And you've got to be in these life-giving relationships for that to happen. Again, that doesn't mean you don't study the Bible. It just means you study it with an eye towards saying, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to apply this to my life? So we want to see our community transformed. We want to see people saying yes to Jesus and living a full life in him. We want to see these seven areas of influence transformed. We want to see beauty and creativity communicated, truth communicated creatively through the arts. We want to see we don't want people to have to move or get a second mortgage for their kids to get a good education. We don't we want to put the divorce lawyers out of business. Because families are strong. Well, I want David and Aaron Jones to have to come up with something else to do. They can't focus on foster care and adoption anymore because nobody is giving up their kids. That's what we want to see happen in our community. And you have a part to play in that. As you become this oak of righteousness, which you are destined to. Isaiah 61, Jesus says, this is my mission statement. And Luke 4, this is what I came to do. And guess what? You're a co-heir with him. So everything about him is true of you as well. This is what God has for you. It's going to look different, obviously, but that's what he wants for you. As you develop deeper roots and broader branches, God will use all of us to see our community transformed. And the key to us for growth is life-giving relationships. That's the soil in which we grow. To me, small groups are the best expression of that. Because you know on your calendar every week or every other week I'm going to meet these guys Tuesday at 7 and that's going to be the time. We're going to, they're going to get into my life. I'm going to get into their life. We're going to talk about who Jesus is and who he is to us. I'm going to tell them where I'm blowing it. I'm going to tell them where I'm doing great. I'm going to push them and they're going to push me. All of those kinds of dynamics that you know in a small group will happen. So if you've got these, you have one of these, you're sitting on it. These are the groups that we have that are open this fall. I want you to look at them. And I want you to look hard. And I want you to say, 
Which one of these is for me? Some of you will look at the pictures and say, oh, these look like my kind of people. That's a fine way. Some of you will look at the time and say, this is a great time. That's a fine way. Some of you will look at child care, which is a fine way. I really don't care how you pick it. Again, at some point, you'll like the people in your group, and at some point, you won't. It really doesn't matter how you pick them. What matters is, are you going to stick with them? And then you have this little card. And this is what I want you to do with this little card. I'm going to pray in a minute. And you're going to fill out the top of that little card. And then you're going to check every single group that you're interested in. And you can be interested in seven of them if you want. And then we're going to distribute your information to these small group leaders. And they're going to get in touch with you. We're not asking you to make a commitment. We're asking you to express interest. And when you leave right there next to Melissa Wilkins in the fuchsia shirt. Is that what color it is? Excellent. We want you to drop that card in that basket on your way out the door. And all of these beautiful small group leaders who you see will be standing up here. And if you have questions about their group, then you can come up to them and say, hey, my name is Tona. You're a small group leader. That doesn't count. My name is Heather, and I'm interested in your group. Woo me. Win me over. Tell me why you deserve two hours of my week. You can say whatever you want. If you look through this thing and you say, I don't see it. My people are not on this page. I don't see it. Then I, I want you to consider starting one. That's what you can do. And come talk to me. And we have small group ministry elders that can help you. If you say, I, I get the value, I don't see the one that works. Then let us help you. It may very well be that you need to pull together three or four other folks and start a group. And we've got small group ministry elders that can help you do that. It is not hard at all. If you're saying, I'm not certain I can do the small group deal, then I want you to think very strongly about a life transformation group. If you're married, your spouse does not count. They're not. They do not count. You find some other folks, same gender, two or three, one or two. To make a group of two or three and pull together. And if that's what you want to do, come see me and I can help you figure out what that needs to look like. I cannot match make you. I'm terrible at that. But I can, if you pull a group together, help you figure out how to make it exciting and alive and encouraging and not dreadful every time you gather together. So this is what I want you thinking about. If life-giving relationships are key to your spiritual growth, where are those relationships in your life? If they're not there, it's a great opportunity today to make a step in that direction. Is that good? I'm going to pray. If you're, in a, if you're a small group leader, if you'd come and parade your pretty face up here. John Sanchez, is there another is a small group ministry elder? Will you stand up? I don't think any of our other small group ministry elders are in here, are they? No. If you have any more questions about small groups, this guy right here in the olive shirt can help you. I'm going to, John, maybe if you go stand at the back door, that would be good. On your, if you have any questions, I want you to grab John. If you're thinking maybe you want to launch something or grab him. I'm going to pray. Then, Yeah. Okay. This is, he's here for Lindy Earl. He is not Lindy Earl. Tim. Let's pray. You guys, don't stand up. Let me just pray. 
There's two things. One, Lord, I want to pray for every man and woman in this room, and I pray that you would increase um, our capacity to express joy. I think of that interesting passage in Nehemiah 8, your joy is our strength. I don't quite get that, but I know it's true. And so I pray for men and women in this room who say, I need strength in some areas this week. And I pray that your joy would be that for them, this deep-seated gladness and contentment that says, we know you win. And that would provide and provoke and stir joy in our hearts. And God, I thank you that you've called us to live life together. I thank you for these men and women who've said, hey, I'll, I'll lead, I'll step out. And Lord, I pray that you would fill their groups, not just so their groups are full, but so that life can happen here. God, we want to see people growing, these, this idea, these oaks of righteousness. We need a lot more than five or ten or twenty. And the soil of life-giving relationships is where those oak trees develop deep roots and broad branches. God, I thank you for the calling that you have on every man and woman in this room. I thank you that before you formed them, you knew them. And God, I pray for each of us that we would grow fully into the men and the women that you knew before you knit us together. God, I pray that we would leave nothing on the table when it comes to the life that you desire that you desire us to live. I think of abundant life, and I pray that would not be something that we taste occasionally, but something that we live daily. God, I pray for those who are shy, who are introverted, who've been burned by other Christians in the past. The idea of meeting in a home is somewhere on the scary to repulsive to them. God, I pray that they would be willing today to give it another shot, to take a chance on relationships, to give you a chance to redeem, like Bo said, to work good out of some things that weren't so great in their past. And God, I pray for the busy, because that's so many of us. What does it look like to prioritize life-giving relationships? No guilt, no condemnation, no manipulation, just saying, God, what does it look like? How does the working mom, what's she supposed to do? How's the, the guy who's got two jobs? How's the person running travel sports schedules? The guy who lives 45 minutes away, what are they supposed to do? Lord, I pray that you would lead them into life-giving relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.